the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. That is exactly what is. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get started at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, post Super Bowl Monday, the third morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Appreciate you being with us. What'd you think? Yeah, I know we've got bigger fish to fry here. And yes, we are going to celebrate the correct decision by the United States Senate. Uh, spearheaded by its Republican majority, obviously, to decide to put an end to this ridiculous Schiff show known as the impeachment trial of the president by not voting for more witnesses and documentation, giving it more legitimacy than this thing ever deserved to start with. So, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the party that we're going to throw on Wednesday. That's right. I don't know about you. Are you planning an exoneration party? I am. I'm going to throw an exoneration party. I don't know where. I don't know who's going to be invited. I don't know who's going to want to show up. But I'm going to celebrate like it is what it is. Exonerated forever. Acquitted forever. Which, of course, is the natural reaction to Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and the rest of these lunatic Democrats trying to stage a coup d'etat to remove the President of the United States and their impeached forever rhetoric. Yep, acquitted forever, exonerated forever, and I think there ought to be an exoneration party, just like there were Super Bowl Bowl parties all over the country yesterday. So we will get into that, but I do want to talk about the Super Bowl yesterday just for a moment or two. Not really about the game, other than to say congratulations to Patrick Mahomes, the 24-year-old MVP of the Super Bowl for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Last year, he was the MVP of the entire league for his performance during the regular season. This year, he follows that up with an MVP of the Super Bowl and the first championship for Kansas City in 50, count them, 50 years. That's right. They were 
the Super Bowl champions in Super Bowl number four. Right, and and there almost wasn't a Super Bowl number four. I don't know if you care too much about NFL history, but I do. Um, I've been doing talk radio for twenty three years, and a lot of those years we're doing sports, so I'm kind of into this. But uh, literally, it was a nineteen sixty nine Super Bowl three that saved what we have today, which is called the Super Bowl. The NFL and the AFL were competing leagues. They competed with one another. They weren't playing with one another. They're competing with one another. And it wasn't until 67 that they decided to get together and have the NFL champion play the AFL champion and get a real true pro football champion in a game that they dubbed the Super Bowl. And that was the first one won by the Packers handily over the, wait for it, Kansas City Chiefs. Then the Packers came back and smacked around the AFL champion Raiders the next year. By the time the third one came around, the Baltimore Colts were the champions of the NFL They were facing the AFL upstart New York Jets, led by Joe Namath, and the Colts were 19-point favorites. They were expected to simply destroy the AFL champion. And if they had, it's likely that this uh, game in which it's pretty clear that the AFL is inferior to the NFL, that we're not going to do this anymore. It was very likely, had there been a third straight, you know, uh, uh, smashing of the AFL champion by the NFL champion, that uh, they wouldn't do it anymore. But uh, 1969, Joe Namath guaranteed that the 19-point underdog Jets would beat the heavily favored Colts. And guess what? He and they delivered. That's what gave the AFL credibility, and that's what led to future Super Bowls and eventually the merger between the AFL and the NFL. And uh, it was the next year, Super Bowl IV, 1970, that the Kansas City Chiefs won their first and only Super Bowl championship until yesterday. Yesterday was their second now in their history, 50 years after their first. Really, really kind of a cool storyline there. So from a football standpoint, that's all I've got for you. A little history and a little fun, and congratulations to Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, being a God-fearing, openly, uh, how do I say it, outspoken is what I mean to say, Christian, is just such a glorious, wonderful role model, I think, for young kids today to have. And and it just stands in stark contrast to the likes of, you know, Colin Kaepernick and others who um, uh, trash this country on a routine basis. And I'll get into that in a second, too. Patrick Mahomes is 24 years old. He's a biracial kid. He, I think he's a man. He's a grown man. He's 24 years old, but he looks like a kid amongst the other 10, 12, uh, 12 you know, 13-year grizzled NFL veterans. He's just a, he's just a puppy. And... uh Patrick Mahomes is an outstanding role model. I mean, he the way he plays the game, the way he carries himself, the way he speaks, what he stands for, that he wears his faith on his sleeve, doesn't beat anybody over the head with it and try to demand that they, um, you know, they become like him. But he is just a great role model and is such a wonderful thing to see him and uh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs defeating San Francisco. For another reason, by the way, and this one's just purely political, partisan, I could not allow San Francisco. I mean, I couldn't have handled it if Nancy Pelosi's district, Nancy Pelosi's hometown of San Francisco had won that championship. Oh, my goodness. The city of feces and urine, the city of uh, needles, drug needles, littering the streets, littering the sidewalks, littering literally all of those things, littering, literally, how about that, for alliteration. My goodness, i got to stop. 
But uh, such a such a horrific example of Democrat politics run amok, led by a wildly liberal mayor who succeeded the last San Francisco liberal mayor, who became now the California governor. In other words, California doesn't deserve to win anything particularly San Francisco. So I was really gratified that the Chiefs won for that reason as well. They don't deserve to celebrate. They're just so completely opposite of America's true values that, uh, in all truth, it's, um, it's, it would have been a crime for Nancy Pelosi and her team to have won the Super Bowl. So that's all I wanted to say about the actual game. I do want to offer a couple of other observations, though. I thought the NFL did a re- had a really interesting approach yesterday to the presentation of the Super Bowl, not the playing thereof, but the presentation of the Super Bowl. We all know that in a in almost every year when it comes to campaign ad or excuse me, when it comes to Super Bowl ads there are going to be political ads of some sort or another, political statements being made cultural references to wokeness or this or that or the other thing. But in a campaign year, you know it's going to be bigger. There's going to be a lot more political stuff being aired because this is a presidential campaign year. Today, they're in Iowa. The Democrats are. And the Iowa caucuses tonight will, of course, uh, uh, give somebody a great big springboard into the rest of the primary season for uh, for the Democrat nomination. So it's going to be a lot more political in a year like this. And indeed, it was. And I thought it was really interesting how the NFL tried to play both sides of the fence so as not to alienate conservative, patriotic, flag-loving, anthem-standing, and saluting, hand-over-heart Americans, and did not want to alienate the Colin Kaepernick crowd either. Because what they did was is they made a great big show on this broadcast yesterday of saluting the American flag. They took the Johnny Cash rendition of the poem Ragged Old Flag slash song and put it together with some incredible patriotic imagery to start this thing. It was a salute to America. It was a salute to the flag. It was really just an amazing thing to see, especially for a league that has just tried to been, you know, tried to really, really kind of uh, avoid the entirety of the, you know, the argument about Colin Kaepernick not, not being in the league, and he's of course the one who started the kneeling protests during the anthem, essentially saying, "I don't believe in that flag, I don't believe in that anthem because I don't believe in the country that it stands for because this country is racist and it's police bias and it's police discrimination and blah blah blah." I thought it was amazing that they went out there and allowed that Johnny Cash uh, um, uh, poem. I said, your courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag. But we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You've probably heard this before. And as a matter of fact, I'll make a point of playing it for you in its entirety before this show is over. But I want to make sure I get on my point here before our first break. They they gave conservative flag waivers that tribute before the game, which was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But then during the broadcast, they did greenlight ads 
put forth by former NFL player Anquan Boldwin about social uh, uh, Bolden rather about social justice and about police misconduct, and they featured a story which is a terrible story of a young man who was shot uh, to death by a an, a plainclothes police officer, I believe an off-duty police officer in an unmarked van who pulled up by the side of a road where somebody had broken down and in somehow, some way got uh, confused or whatever it was. Uh, he was convicted of murder. He shot the, the young man, a black man, uh, six times, uh, shot at him six times, hit him three times and killed him. And he was sentenced to 25 years in prison for, uh, for manslaughter. Um, so clearly a terrible thing. But obviously the inference there is this is what it's all about. This happens all the time, when clearly it does not. So they gave the nod to the woke crowd, the the Kaepernick supporters with that, but they gave everybody else ragged old flag in a very patriotic presentation. So I thought it was interesting how they played both sides of the aisle, tried to walk both sides so they don't alienate anybody, or if they alienate some on some one side, they'll alienate some on the other side as well, just to kind of keep their own... Uh, you know, their brand shining here. So that was one observation I wanted to share. And I had an observation about the halftime show, too. And I want to not just observe. I want to ask whether or not you agree with these observations. So I'm going to give you the phone number, and I'll tell you about the halftime show after the break. 216-901-0945, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira led this halftime show that has a lot of people on two very different sides of this uh uh, of that performance, barking about it and really, really being loud and uh, and sometimes upset about it. I'm going to share that with you, and I'm going to ask you your thoughts too. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. It's a post Super Bowl analysis start to our Monday morning. We will get to impeachment. We will get to acquittal and all the rest. Stay right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. <laughs> This is a very, very different kind of sound. <laughs> and a Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Uh, wait a minute. Was this CSNY or just CSN on this song? This is just CSN. Okay, thank you. I wasn't sure if Young was a part of this song or not. Anyway, uh, yeah, a CSN uh, halftime show would be quite a bit different than the um, spectacle that we were all greeted with uh, on the halftime show yesterday at the Super Bowl in Miami. It was a tribute, it would seem, to... Uh, Miami's uh, Latina, Latino culture, Hispanic culture, uh, as Shakira and Jennifer Lopez uh, took the stage and just uh, shook Miami literally to its core. Shook Miami by shaking their rear ends uh, more than anybody has ever shaken them at the Super Bowl before, uh, dare I say. There's, there was a, the reason I bring this up is I'm just kind of curious. There's a, there's a cultural thing. 
I think that goes on, not not ethnically cultural, just uh, you know values kind of thing. I was watching Twitter yet. By the way, I I barely made. In fact, I didn't even make it to the halftime show yesterday until we got we got home from Central Michigan University. My son uh, took a visit to uh, Central Michi- Michigan University. They're recruiting him. I'm proud to say to play football for the Chips. Uh, and um, we, we we made it back from Central uh, with about a minute or two left in the halftime show. So we had to come back, and my wife is all about it. And so she quickly rewound it. She was taping it and rewound it, and we watched the halftime show before settling in for the second half. And as I watched that halftime show, rewatched it anyway, I got a chance to go on Twitter and kind of see what people were saying about it. And there's two very distinct, culturally different viewpoints of this. Um, one side was, oh my gosh, what an amazing performance. Jennifer Lopez, Shakira, incredible. This is what halftime shows were all about. What a spectacle. What a tremendous tribute to dance and, again, to Latina culture and, 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 and all these things, which is perfectly fine. And, in fact, by the way, Jennifer Lopez had said something prior to the um, uh, Super Bowl halftime show that this was going to be uh, a testament to diversity. And I was like, oh, Lordy, what does that mean? I think we saw it. Toward the end of their incredibly raucous uh, performance, you know, with some of their hits, their you know their hits and their dance routines, some of their hit songs. I mean, did you notice they shifted into an Irish jig? They did an Irish jig and a super th- everybody on the stage, all the dancers. It was really kind of neat. And I think maybe that was their saying, look, this is for all cultures. This is for all ethnicities, not just for celebrating Miami's, uh, you know, Latina uh, persuasion or Hispanic flavor or whatever. But here's a little bit Irish. And maybe there were other things in there that I didn't pick up on. So I read that this was just a spectacular, you know, visual performance and so on and so forth. The other half of Twitter in terms of social media Americana response, the other half was saying, I thought that the Super Bowl was supposed to be family-friendly. I thought the Super Bowl was supposed to be something that my kids can watch all of, not make them go to their rooms during the halftime show because they're about to have a stripper set. And some people felt like that's exactly what it was. They were saying it looked like a, a, you know, a bunch of strippers working, working the room. And, and indeed, there was a kind of a nod to um, Jennifer Lopez's last movie, um, Hustlers, I think. Hustlers or The Hustler. No, not The Hustler. That was Paul Newman playing pool. I think it was just called Hustlers. And she played a stripper or a stripper teacher or something like that. And so she grabbed the, you know, at a pole on the stage there and she danced on there and hung on the pole like she does in the movie, I guess. That's what that was a nod to. Anyway, there were a lot of people who admitted calling themselves prude or prudish and saying, I just can't, you know, I don't like this, that they're up there not only stripping, uh, or not stripping literally, but, you know, wearing next to nothing, and then also making sure to face the cameras, well, to face away from the camera, so the cameras were focused on the rear ends, and again, doing their Latina shake, uh, and just uh, on, a, on a pretty regular basis there, just look at my rear. And I'm trying to be as gentle as I can about this, okay? So my question was, A, were you okay with it? Because which side of the, you know, is it prudish to say that that's not acceptable? Or is it fair to say, you know what, this is supposed to be, you know, clean for kids, too? Um, I want to know if you think that this was hypersexualizing women. In a Me Too movement era, in a women empowerment era, they just had the women's march, um, and they do not want men viewing women in, in sexual manners, right? In, in, they don't want 
men to to see women as sex objects. Um, they get mad if men comment on women's bodies. They get mad and say, "Why you know you know if they're wearing a low cut top? Well, my eyes are up here." Well, yeah, that's true, but you you're wearing something to draw attention to another part of your body. You can't blame me for giving you what you wanted, which is that attention, right? What did feminists think of this show yesterday? The the lead dancers in that performance, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira, as well as some of the others, literally said, it doesn't matter what thoughts are in my head, look at my butt. And just in case you aren't looking at it because it's barely covered by my costume, I'm going to shake it really fast and wiggle it many times at the camera so you make sure that you look at my butt. Feminist good with that? Me too, women, good with that? Um, I'm just curious. I, I found it very interesting uh, that they would put on a show, especially in an era like this where we're talking about you know, non-sexualization or sexual objectification of women, that they just went up there and said, look at us as objects, stare at this. I'm not just going to dress like that. I'm going to make sure that your eyes go to one place and one place only. It isn't my shoulders. It isn't my elbows. It isn't my ankles. It's the thing that's shaking here right in the front of your 55 or 70 inch plasma screen bang i just curious do you come down on one side or the other there prudish twitter as it may be known thought that was uh that was terrible kids don't need to see that um more liberalized twitter i suppose said that's beautiful that's a celebration of women okay but then don't get mad at men for staring at their butts because that's exactly what they wanted them to do is that okay? Is that a bit of a, is that a bit of a, uh, I don't know, um, does it kind of cancel the message? Does it kind of cancel the message that in the Me Too era, we don't need men sexually harassing women by staring at their rear ends or staring at their chests or whatever the case might be? Did they not just present a bit of a conflicting message on that stage yesterday? And then there was one more element to the show or to the uh, pro- the presentation of the Super Bowl beyond the game yesterday, and that is, of course, during the National Anthem, two of the most iconic music uh, legends of this particular era, I guess, Jay-Z and Beyonce, married couple, both superstars in their own right, decided during that wonderful flag presentation and the National Anthem that they would, knowing cameras were on them, remain seated in protest of that flag and for what it stands in the United States of America. I want to hear from you. The game was almost secondary to all of these stories. I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945-888-1110. Right after this. Nine thirty-six. We continue on this Monday edition of the Bob France Authority. Thanks for being with us. Congressman Jordan is not with us today. His schedule does not allow his regular Monday visit. It will be later this week. I promise you that. Just don't have the uh, time locked down yet or date locked down yet. But Congressman Jordan will not be with us, which means more time for phone calls from you. We're talking a little bit about the Super Bowl yesterday, not about the game and the X's and O's. Again, I've given all the props that I can possibly think of to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Really fantastic. I was also really thrilled that uh, the uh, the Chiefs won because of Frank Clark, defensive end uh, for Kansas City, who at his 
press conference, you know, the pre-publicity festival known as the Super Bowl week press conferences where the players have to answer questions from all of the assembled media, Frank Clark wore a Trump t-shirt or, or hoodie or something like that to his uh, press conference, so he wore it on his sleeve that he supported the president. I thought that was kind of cool. Not to do what the left does here and try to uh, politicize everything, but it's it's there. But we've been talking about the Super Bowl in a lot of other ways. The halftime show, the uh, flag presentation at the beginning. We'll get into the Beyonce and Jay-Z part of that here in a moment. As a matter of fact, i got a lot of people on hold who want to talk about this already. Before I come to you, though, could you do me a favor and allow me to keep true to my promise? I said that I would give you the entirety of the Johnny Cash Ragged Old Flag uh, poem that was uh, aired yesterday with some amazing visual love for our American flag and love of our country. Um, I want to give it all to you. It's about three minutes long. So if you're on hold, I'm coming to you in three minutes. But let's listen to this. I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench. An old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole is leaned a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key said, watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans with Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams. And it almost fell at the Alamo. Beside the Texas flag, but she waved on, though. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville. And she got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg. And the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied and refused and the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land and she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin but she's in good shape for the shape she's in cause she's been through the fire before and I believe she can take a whole lot more so we raise her up every morning we take her down every night we don't let her touch the ground and we fold her up right On second thought, I do like to brag, cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag.
I tell you what, I think the uh, the NFL hit it right on the head yesterday by allowing that presentation to be uh, on. And again, I had to see it on tape delay because I wasn't there till the second half because of our trip. So uh, I, I think the NFL nailed it because they knew there was going to be this tribute to wokeness throughout the, the, the broadcast in some capacity, whether it's in paid-for commercials or NFL-sponsored uh, promotions of wokeness, like the uh, Players uh, Coalition that Anquan Bolden was championing because of the, uh, the, the tragic death and the killing of, uh, of the, uh, the young man. So they knew there was going to be some of that, and they did not want to make it look like they were trying to play sides here or anything else. So they literally put that up there as a part of the broadcast with Fox and um, and promoted the flag. And even in the, the lyrics of that poem that you just heard from Johnny Cash talking about how the flag is abused here at home, it's burned, it's, uh, it's, it's um, uh, protested, et cetera, et cetera, and yet they, they saw fit to give it a tribute. I thought the NFL kind of threaded the needle pretty well knowing there would be some wokeness, saying we've got to make sure that people know that we do support our flag, our country, our anthem, and what it all stands for. So I thought it was good. All right, your thoughts, 216-901-0945. John is in Chardon up first. Thanks for your patience, John. Go right ahead, sir. Hey, morning, Bob. Hey, I morning, really John. appreciate your your historical rundown of uh, of the history of the uh, two two leagues. And oh, I yeah, yeah. Know, we, we lived in Kansas City during those years. And we had season tickets, and um, uh, and so we we lived there for five years. And uh, when the uh, when when we won the AFL a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. called one of our neighbors down there, and he said that everybody's out in the street celebrate, and that was just in his neighbor neighborhood. So those people are really charged. And I think most of the people in the country wanted Kansas City to win, and uh, except on the on on the West Coast. So I think that's probably true. I do. I yeah. You know, and, and and I don't know if there's politics that are behind that at all maybe a little bit i guess but i think they're just a better story because you know the niners of course have won a ton of super bowls with joe montana and steve young through the years um and then of course they were associated with kaepernick who was in a super bowl about five six years ago whatever it was and you know kansas city hadn't been there since as we pointed out 1970 50 years ago and uh so i think the underdog status and you know maybe the middle america status probably did make them a bit of a, a favorite for uh for a for a large part of the country I know that's one of the reasons yeah. I was supporting him. Yeah, one quick comment on the halftime show. Yeah, the only problem I have with it is, what kind of example are we showing these young kids that are watching watching the game? You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's the, yeah. that's exactly so. the point that a lot of people are making, and more importantly, John, thanks for the call, pal. Uh, more importantly, what kind of example is it setting for girls more than anything? What kind of example does it set for girls? You want attention? Shake your A in front of as many guys as you can find. There's a 100 million people watching this game on television. As we know, the Super Bowl is the highest rated, most watched single event of any calendar year. There's a 100 million people watching. You want them to, to, to like you? Shake your A. Put, get, your, get your butt about as naked as it's allowed to be on television and then shake it uh, repeatedly for their viewing pleasure. And, and, and then, then men will like you. Then men will be attracted to you. Men will be, what message does that? I'm serious. And I'm not saying they can't dance and they can't wear skimpy outfits, but some of it goes a little too far, and I'm not going to sit here and preach. I'm just asking the question, does it send the right message? That's all I'm asking. 
And, and if it doesn't, where are the liberal feminists out there saying, we don't want to be objectified? Why are you doing that? Or are they going to be hypocrites and say, we're allowed to be naked and shake our rear ends, and if you claim you like it and stare at it, you are harassing us. You can't do that. How dare you? <laughs> I know it sounds completely uh, ridiculous, but that is that is kind of what we get. Uh, let's go to uh, Cleveland. Amy, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for calling, Amy. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, I'd like to agree with what you and the last caller said and actually expand on it as a parent. Um, I didn't watch the Super Bowl last night, but my son went to a Super Bowl game party with his friends, and he came home and I asked him, how was the game? He said, the game was fine. He said, the half time show was not that great he said there were a bunch of half-naked women dancing inappropriately and it actually made me quite uncomfortable and he's how old in high is he? school how, he's oh, he's high school age? He's a, okay yeah he's 14 in high school and that made me think um you know he shouldn't be watching this and i don't want you know something on tv that's inappropriate and you know, these people are on prime TV, and what type of values does America have that they're showing this to all of America? And what has our society become that they think this is okay for our, you know, families to watch this, that, you know, our children even feel uncomfortable, and they're saying, this is okay, this is what you should be feeling okay with this, and they're saying, no, we're not okay with this. So I think it's a problem. I think that's a really interesting story and a very good analysis. Um, I'm a little uncomfortable with it, too. But here's the thing. And, Amy, thank you for your phone call. Um, I, I, Wow. Your 14-year-old said he was uncomfortable with it. And that's probably a better thing than the, I would guess, millions of 14-year-olds who were probably very comfortable with it. 14-year-old hormonal boys, 18-year-old, 28-year-old hormonal boy. Remember, and by the way, these weren't teenagers. Jennifer Lopez is 50 or 51, but she looks like she's 21, which is a testament to her. God bless her for being so incredibly fit. And I don't know how old Shakira is, but she's closer to J-Lo's age than your son's age. But my point is that teenage boys, particularly, you know, pre- and just post-pubescent teenage boys, hormonal and excitable, they see that, they're just, eyes are bugging out. And, 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 their, and their jaws are on the ground, and they're like, wow. Um, w- w- what does that say, and what does that do for the quote-unquote women's movement in the women's march, etc.? Are they encouraging these young boys to see women as the incredibly intelligent and deeply thoughtful and introspective and professional and brilliant people that they are? Or are they encouraging these young boys and others to think, man, that's a nice butt. And I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. They will think many, many, many other things beyond that. I'm just going to leave it in a very general and safe place to say, that's a really nice butt. Oh, she's shaking it for me again a few more twists a few more turns up oh, there it is again I, I mean seriously they spent as much time turned away from the front of the stage as they did facing the front of the stage because they wanted everybody to see their rear ends and again i fine i suppose where are you me too movement are is this not contributing to the over sexualization uh of women 
uh, sexually objectifying them, turning them into objects rather than the the, the wonderful, uh, deeply thoughtful beings that, that women are? You know, that's the question here. Uh, Dave is in Lakewood on AM 1420, The Answer Next. Hi, Dave, go ahead. But uh, we watched the first half, and then the uh, halftime show came on. After about five minutes, we were at my daughter's house. My grandkids were there. Several of the kids are 14, 15, and the majority of the people just forget this. We didn't even watch the second half. We were so disgusted by what we saw in the half show, we figured this is what they're selling. We don't even want to watch it. We didn't even watch the second half of the football game. We were so disgusted by what they threw at us in the halftime show. Shame on us, maybe, but we thought, we're not going to patronize the NFL if this is what they're selling. Maybe we're wrong, but we thought, we can't. We don't need to watch this. Maybe we're well, twisted, but that's well, what we are. Know, I, I wouldn't call you wrong or twisted, my friend. I would just say you made a choice, and by the way, I think it was a bad one because you missed a heck of a fourth quarter <laughs> as the Chiefs came but, back. But, but, you know, another way we, a lot of people did... We made a statement. I'll put it that way. No, I get it. I get it, and I and I do understand and appreciate it. A lot of other people said, "Just uh, you know, I'm not going to patronize that. I'm going to turn the game off during the halftime show. I know it's right. going to be about a half an hour, and I'll turn it back on when it starts again. I'm just not going to be a part of that." So everybody had their own way of you know expressing, and that's fine. And there's, yours is no better or worse than anybody else's. I would certainly not fault you for it. You wanted to make a statement saying, "I don't appreciate the halftime show. I'm not watching it, and I'm not going to contribute to the ratings of your second half either." Exactly. I want you to see. Exactly. Exactly. You want them to see maybe a drop in the ratings during the second half from people who maybe were turned off by that. Maybe that's maybe that's the right thing to do. Nobody is right or wrong here, but I do. You're appreciate saying what I was trying to say. I got you, my friend. I got you. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you so much for Thanks the call. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. God bless, sir. Uh, I want to read a, a message here, a Facebook message from Patty, um, who's a friend who wanted to share her thoughts on this and couldn't uh, get on the phone or whatever. She said, "My thoughts on the halftime show." If that was supposed to be, or I'm sorry, if that was supposed to represent, she writes, Latina culture, I don't think it did Latinas any favors. It made Latinas look like over-sexualized sluts, willing to put it all on display for anyone and everyone. It didn't exude passion and intensity like the tango dance well can do. The sheer athleticism of the dancing that could be admired and awe-inspiring, especially considering J-Lo's age, was lost in all the crotch-grabbing, crotch shots, and humping. Hanging perpendicular to a pole is not an easy thing to do, but wearing that outfit and her, and her other dance moves makes it clear that it was sexual, not athletic. I was embarrassed to watch it with my bachelor brother, my uncle, and my 80-year-old mother. That was from Patty. I think that's a really, really great analysis. Uh, it doesn't have to be right. Everybody has their own opinion, but I think hers is a really, really great analysis. I don't know that it did necessarily... Uh, women, any favors? You know, Latinas, if it was supposed to be a ce- celebration of Latina culture? I don't know. Uh, but I am welcome to, or I'm open, I should say, to your thoughts, and I welcome them. 216-901-0945, right back after this. Time for one, maybe two, depending on how quick you are. Phone calls in here before the top of the hour as we continue to discuss the Super Bowl yesterday, the politics of it, the celebration of America and Americana with the ragged old flag at the beginning, the wokeness in the middle, and yeah, the uh, halftime show, which was either extraordinarily visually appealing because of the incredible dance and music, or 
a little bit off-putting because of the sexualization in a family-friendly broadcast to 100 million people, including a whole lot of kids. Just depends on your point of view, doesn't it? Uh, who's next for me here? I've got a bunch of names, and I'm not sure where to go next. Is it John in Cleveland? You see the next one up? Uh, Marcy, tell me. It is John. Okay, John, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, Bob. Being a 75-year-old guy here in the Cleveland area, enjoying the football, during the halftime show, I told my wife, who left the room for a moment, that... Uh, the, the J-Lo out there, I guess that's her nickname, Yeah, barely had enough material to cover her rear crack. <laughs> and her swinging around on that stripper pole was, maybe some guys enjoyed it. I didn't. But a moment later, all of a sudden, there were a bunch of little kids dancing, little girls dancing around her and singing. And, and one of them was her daughter. Did you know that? No, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, her 11-year-old daughter. Her 11-year-old daughter was one of the ones who came out there with the kids and uh, sang and and took part in the the show. So, obviously, she's, you know, she's teaching her daughter that this is what dance is all about, I guess. Yeah, and when she turned around, there was barely barely enough material to cover her front crack. (laughs) So, I was... uh... I was a little surprised. The football game was terrific. It, it just as it was touted out to be, it was a close game right to the end. Yeah, and yeah. That, and my team won, along with a couple of Clevelanders playing on that Kansas City team. That's right. Travis Kelsey from Cleveland Heights and uh, Anthony Hitchens from uh, Lorraine Clearview High School uh, were are now Super Bowl champions, which is very, very cool. Uh, thank you, John. I appreciate the phone call. You uh, you make some very good points. Uh, yeah, the costumes were very revealing. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it might not have been appropriate for kids, and that's a great point. There were kids on the stage, including JLo's daughter. But again, I, I just and I'm not going to sit here and try to preach. I am not worthy of virtue signaling anybody. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, be that that Bible thumper uh, because I'm not worthy of that. But I will say, what some people see as art, other people see as sexualization and almost, uh, you know, on stage pornography. That's just the reality of the situation. You can decide if you're on one side or the other of that, or if you're somewhere in the middle. Maybe you found it to be a little bit over the top, but overall, very, very impressive. Um, Everybody's got a viewpoint. I'm more than happy to take yours. Coming up next after the top of the hour news, we'll also get into the impeachment and where we stand on that. We didn't talk about it much at all during the first hour, as we are doing kind of a Super Bowl recap. Uh, The ads we haven't talked about either, but we'll get into all of the rest right after this. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.